0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Relationship Visionary podcast. My name is Martina Booth, and today I will talk about types of feelings that we commonly mistake for love and what love really is. So, why is this important? Most of us have an idea of what love is, but that is not really what I would call unconditional love because. It's really not unconditional if you think about it, but this misconception of love is the reason for all sorts of issues that people have in relationships, including jealousy, um, which is the main reason why people come to me and understanding the difference between love and the feelings that we confuse with love is crucial to living an empowered life and to having long term fulfilling relationships. Because we have to understand why our current way of looking at love and relationships isn't getting us to where we want to be in order to build or like in order to change in a way that will lead us to more fulfilling relationships. Yeah, so let's start with this episode. I want to start with what most of us think about when we say that we are falling in love or when, when we say that we love someone. Like, what do we mean when we say that? Most people would probably describe it as the strong, almost addictive feeling that we feel in the presence of the other person, like the other person that we're in love with, or when we think about them and and the longing and the pain when we are apart. We often think about how our life is so much better because of this other person, or we, we think we found our other half or the missing piece in our lives, and we finally are complete. And especially at the beginning of new relationships, but not exclusively, the feeling of this falling in love is also associated with anxiety over not knowing if they really like us back and this, this need for reassurance from them. So we find ourselves waiting for messages and, or that we feel the need to call them ourselves or to message them all the time. And we also think that we need them in order to be okay. Or that their, like, their love is a scarce resource that we need to have exclusive access to. Like if they left or if they didn't give us all their attention anymore, our world would end. And this creates, of course, a fear of losing them. And that's also the origin of jealousy. Most people also associate falling in love, the feeling of falling in love with sexual tension, passion, and this like sexual longing also for this person. And a big part of falling in love is really about what being with this person gives us or how it adds to our lives. So it's usually not that selfless. I know we don't think about it that way, but it's really about how how we feel better, how we think our life is going to be because of this person. And the problem is that we label this love and then we think that this is what we need to find. But in reality, love is a completely different thing. And I want to now look into what really happens when we feel these intense feelings that we call love. And then I wanna talk about what unconditional love really looks like. So let's start with this feeling that I'm gonna call pseudo love from now on. And the pseudo love really has two components that both contribute to the experience that we have when we think we're falling in love. And the first component is sexual attraction. And sexual attraction is really a very physical, biological thing. It is caused by pheromones or sex hormones, and it's very closely tied to our function to reproduce. And it causes that sexual tension between us and the other person, and it leads to us constantly thinking about sex with them, for example. And it really is just our biology saying, let's go to work and make some babies. Like, that's all that happens. So that's component number one of pseudo love. So now I'm going to come to the actual pseudo-love or like the second component. And that is when the other person that we are in love with speaks to our own inner issues with the way they behave around us or they interact with us. And the other person is often not aware that they're doing that, like they're not doing it consciously. Sometimes this can actually be um, used very consciously as a mechanism to manipulate someone. For example, that is what the famous narcissist likes to do. They know exactly what buttons they have to push. But in most cases, the other person doesn't do this on purpose. Like The other person doesn't say, okay, I like this person. I'm going to start pushing their buttons because then they they will fall in love with me. Also, pickup artists use this mechanism a lot. But why does this work? It works because what they do is they touch on some inner issues of ours that are often connected to self-worth or we are projecting our own trauma onto them and they suddenly become the, the healing for that trauma. They, come, they become the, the solution for us to not feel that pain anymore. Yeah, we, we literally think the other person is now going to heal that for us. And it can be as simple as somebody just giving you all their attention. Like many of us have deep, deep doubts about our lovability. And if we are good enough to be loved by other people, to be, to be seen that way. And if somebody shows us how important we are to them, this wound that we have, that, we, that makes us doubt ourselves so much, will feel kind of healed. I don't know if you've ever heard people say that they are finally healing because they found the right person. Yeah, so what happens there is that they have found someone that put a basically puts a Band-Aid on their wounds. And so the wound doesn't feel that painful anymore. But the real healing can only come from inside, from inside of you, of the person who has the wound. And a supportive partner, of course, can help in the process, but they can never heal that wound for us. But if we find someone now, we meet someone who, who speaks to these inner wounds of ours that we have to this pain then we suddenly feel good we don't feel that pain that much anymore and then and that's actually where the problem starts is that then we associate this feeling this good feeling that we have now with the other person so now we think we feel good because of the other person and then we think that we're in love with them and the more of our own inner issues somebody touches, the more of our, or our own wounds that say they put a bandaid on with the way they behave and they talk, talk around us or they talk about us or to us. And the more directly they touch on these inner wounds on our own stories or belief systems that we have about ourselves, the stronger the feeling will be that we have for that person. And if you now have two people Who both take care of each other's wounds, then you have a perfect codependent relationship. And it looks like a happy relationship from the outside. It's like both of them are really, really happy. They're basically happier than they've ever been, but they're also very much dependent on each other. So now we know what pseudo love is, but how do you know that you're experiencing it? Well, the first indicator is always when something feels triggering or urgent. Or kind of addictive like if these if you have these strong intense feelings for this person and you somehow feel like you need them desperately or you need something from them and then when you get it you feel strong relief often also your whole attention will be directed towards that person and you have a hard time concentrating or it becomes very hard to not think about them maybe you also notice that you feel kind of uneasy when you're not with them or when you don't hear from them and you don't get that reassurance that they're still there and that they still like you. Or when you think about them, you, you almost feel like you're on a drug high just because you think that they exist in your life. Those are indicators. Another indicator, of course, is uh, sexual attention, But in a different way than the pure sexual attraction, it's more a longing for intimacy and closeness with that person. And it's also connected to the way they behave around you and the way you feel emotionally when you're with them more than the purely sexual pleasure. It's a little bit difficult to notice the difference, but if you pay attention, you will become more and more aware. Yeah, and another indicator, of course, is you feel like you need them to be okay. If you think that if this other person wasn't in your life anymore, you would be absolutely devastated, then you're definitely in the pseudo-love category. And the concept of pseudolove doesn't only show in people who are dating or in relationships, but it also shows in people being extremely unhappy when they're not in a relationship. And this is because we've all been raised to believe that we need to find someone who will take care of our wounds for us. So we're always constantly looking to find this other person that is going to make it all okay. And you can even see this in non-monogamous people who are already in a relationship. And they're constantly looking to get that next partner or in people who have affairs. This shows beautifully that the answer is not in finding the right partner that is going to heal us, but it's in solving these issues in ourselves. in building a good relationship with ourselves in order to be able to have a relationship that is actually based on love and connection and not on the pseudo love. So why is the pseudo-love not unconditional love? I said that at the beginning. So the reason why is that love, as I said, is an unconditional feeling that is always available to us regardless of what the other person does. And the feeling that I just described is very much conditional. Like it depends on whether or not the other person behaves in a way that makes me feel a certain way. Love is also about the other person and not about us. And what we confuse as love is very much about us and has very little to do with the other person and who they really are. It has to do with what they do and how they behave, but it doesn't have to do with who they are. Often, we don't even know who they are and we also don't want to know who they really are or we try to pretend that we know who they are and that they're perfect. Because if we knew who they really are and we allowed for some error there and for some flaws, not so nice parts of them, maybe, then we would probably not be willing to love them anymore, at least not in the pseudo love type of way, because then they wouldn't make us feel that great anymore. So, for example, if somebody shows interest in someone else outside the relationship, many people would probably not be willing to love them anymore, because now they have violated the unspoken agreement where they were obligated to cater to the partner's needs and to their happiness and their partners only. And being interested in someone else violates that yeah or if we learn something about our partners that doesn't fit into our plan or into what we projected on them like when it doesn't fit into our thinking oh my life is going to be amazing with this person now because because i think that they are somebody they're not and then i found find out something about them that i didn't know and that kind of jeopardizes my plans my projection plans that i had made with them then a lot of people will suddenly not feel all that loving anymore about their partners. Like, for example, we find out that they don't want to get married or they don't want to have kids. And we thought, oh, now we're going to have the perfect family with them. Or we find out that they, they want to behave or they do behave or dress, for example, in a way that we're uncomfortable with or they have the wrong opinion on a certain subject. You know, a lot of different things could be in that category of like learning something that you that doesn't fit into the plan that you had or into what you projected on them but to come back to the original question like why is pseudo love not love because if you did love that person you would be willing to love them regardless you would be you would will be willing to love them even if they are they have these parts that you don't like or even if you found out that maybe they did something or they have thoughts about someone else And maybe you're not happy about that, but you're still loving them because that is part of who they are. So as I said before, pseudo love has to do with ourselves. It has to do with our own story, with our own belief systems. It has to do with our self-worth, our lack of self-worth or lack of perception of self-worth, let's say, that we outsource to our partners. And that becomes the reason why we are so scared of losing them because subconsciously, or maybe sometimes even consciously, we made them responsible for our happiness. Well, now you may be wondering that if this is not what love is, why on earth do we all believe this lie? And the reason is simple um, because it's, it's everywhere. It's shown to us everywhere. We grow up with this. Our parents teach us that. Our parents believe it, they teach it to us. We see it in the media, we see it in movies. See it in songs, basically everything around us supports this. In, in any like movies, songs, or anywhere, love is usually associated with sex and with passion and with drama and longing and pain. And the addictive character that it has to it makes it really hard not to want it. Like if we take the low and the dependency away, of course, the high will also go away. And as long as we don't question it, we will keep passing it on to the next generation and we will just think that we have to look for this awesome feeling and we just don't see that it comes with the low. It has to come with the low. And the reason for it is in ourselves and not in the other person. It's not because we found the wrong person. It's because we have this pain, this wound in ourselves that we haven't healed yet. But yeah, as I said, as as long as we don't question that, we will just keep going and just keep passing it on to the next generation. So now we talked about what most of us believe that love looks like and why that is not really love. Now I want to talk about what unconditional love actually is. Love, I would say, is the affection for the other person that is caused by our thoughts about this other person. So it is what we actually like about them. Usually we will be able to pinpoint those things if we ask what do we like about them. It is also an honest interest in the person with all their flaws, as I said. It means not that I'm closing my eyes and I, um, I pretend that they are perfect. No, it means that I see the flaws. And when I say flaws, I mean things about them that I don't like. And it means that I'm actively acknowledging those parts of them, of my partner, and I embrace them also as part of their whole person of who they are. It means that I want to know who they are. like I want to know all of the things, and I'm also willing to like them, to love them for who they really are instead of for who I would like them to be, which is the person that fits my inner wounds perfectly so that they can basically help me never have to face them again. If I love somebody for real, that means that the person is a positive addition to my life, but they're not necessary. It doesn't mean that my, my world will end if they decided to leave tomorrow or if they had to go on a long trip and I wasn't able to be with them for a while. Love is also an unlimited resource. And that means that jealousy is not necessary anymore. It's really what's left if you take out the ego and the instinct to reproduce of this whole bundle of feelings that we feel when we meet somebody and we fall in love with somebody. And it's also what we need for long-term fulfilling relationships. Like we need the real love. We need that part of the feelings that I just described. The problem with that is, and that's why it's often disregarded, is that it requires a high level of self-reflection, and it requires for us to take responsibility for our own thoughts and feelings, and it requires us to take charge of our own healing, and that is often an uncomfortable thing to do. It's not the easy way. The easy way seems to just find somebody who will do it for us. It's like taking a pill. You can also take a heroin pill. And that will give you a high and that will make you feel amazing and it will make all your problems go away. Problem is that you will constantly need this pill. And if you, or like the pill, I know herring doesn't come in pills. This shows beautifully that I do not know anything about drugs. <laughs> if I had thought about it, I would have known. Anyway, it means that you constantly need the substance or the person, and this is really very much, very much comparable, even on a on a brain, on a brain level. Like if you would, would dive into the the brain science, you, what happens when you're addicted to something, to a substance, or you're addicted to a person, basically, this, the same thing happens in your brain. I'm not an expert on this, but you can look it up if you're interested. Yeah, this, taking responsibility for this and solving it on your own, going on that healing journey, finding the root cause of it in yourself, and healing the trauma, healing all that, questioning your own belief systems and stuff that is an uncomfortable thing to do. And that's why most people don't really want to do it. And it doesn't sound very attractive. <laughs> and another reason why real love is often disregarded is because it's, and that's actually tied to what I just said about the, the drug, the compar- comparison with drugs, is that it's less passionate and less addictive, as I said. So you won't have that extreme high to it. And you won't have the overflowing sexual connection that you feel with somebody that you are projecting something onto now how do we know that we really love like how does this real love actually show the main thing i would say is that you will notice that it's not an urgent feeling it's not triggering it's kind of like a calm positive vibration and it comes with a feeling of safety and connection and just this it can even feel like a little bit like home for example but it's very very low vibration i would say it also comes with that strong trust in yourself and in the connection with that person rather than in the behavior of that person or that they're respecting the rules It, it becomes less important it's more like you really start trusting in that relationship that thing that you have together because you can see how it's a positive addition to your life and you trust that it's also a positive addition to their life and I'm going to make another episode about trust and how to rethink or how to think about trust differently so um, I don't want to get into the specifics here so if you really want to know if what you feel for your partner is unconditional love I have a little test for you And I want you to try this thought that I'm going to give you in a second about your partner and see how it feels. And the thought is, I love you even if you don't behave the way I would like you to. I'm going to repeat it. I love you even if you don't behave the way I would like you to. So think that thought about your partner. Imagine them right now. Imagine that they're doing something that you don't like them. You don't want them to do it. And think if you still love them, and if you're willing to love them with their negative sides. And that becomes a great indicator for how unconditional your love is. Now, it doesn't mean that we feel either the one or the other. Like It doesn't mean that we're either in pseudo-love or in love. So if you realize now when you're thinking about that sentence, about your partner, you're thinking maybe there are some things that I would not want them to do, and it does it feels kind of icky. That's not a reason for panic. It doesn't mean that you do not love them at all, that you just in pseudo-love. I would say in most cases, it's a mixture of these feelings, like pseudo-love and love, and of course, the sexual attraction. But in many cases, the real unconditional love is actually by far or has has by far the smallest share of the feelings involved, if it exists at all. And this is where it becomes a problem, when in the mix of feelings that you feel for your partner, there is almost no unconditional love, because that's when you will run into issues for sure. 100% you will run into issues in your relationship if your relationship is only based on pseudo love. And I know that um, some of us make a distinction between the feeling that we feel at the beginning when we fall in love and the feeling that we feel later in longer relationships after the initial honeymoon phase is over that's when people sometimes say well now i don't i'm not in love with my partner i'm not sure if you say that in english but in german we make that distinction for sure but we say then that we do love them now and that kind of means that we are not in this extreme high low phase or like this extreme addiction phase anymore and that we kind of see more clearly People often also say that the hormones are gone. And um, then we kind of start realizing who the person really is. And then we start seeing them for who they are. And that's already a step in the right direction. But it's also often associated with something going away or something that's then missing. So we say things like, well, relationships are hard work. And, well, we kind of, yeah, we, we we talk about the honeymoon phase. And then we think that we lose something after the honeymoon phase you will often see people after the honeymoon phase or in long-term relationship relationships, trying to get that lost thing back by investing a lot into bringing the passion back into the sex, sex lives and so on. I would say sometimes it can be that something was really lost after the honeymoon phase because the whole relationship was based on that pseudo love only. And in that case, if there's nothing else than that pseudo-love, then the people will probably either break up or they will, and they will find someone else to project their pain and their lungs onto, or they will end up in a very frustrated, loveless relationship, and they maybe will be trying to bring back the passion forever, or they will just be super frustrated and maybe have affairs and deal with it in any other way. But for those who did have real love in the mix too, once the honeymoon phase is over, and the hormones are normal again, and we maybe got used to this other person and we kind of feel safe that they're not going to leave and that they're going to stay taking care of our pain for us, then that love will start coming to the surface. And if people manage to build on that, on that unconditional love that they did have for this other person, but they couldn't see it when they were in their honeymoon phase, then they can manage to create a fulfilling relationship from that. That's what they then mean when they say that they make the transition from the honeymoon phase to the real love. However, because we all believe this lie about love, even the ones who make the transition, this expectation that our partners are responsible for our happiness and this unwillingness to see the person as they are, like with all the flaws, this often, these often stay like these, these expectations and the, these thoughts. Yeah, even if the honey, even after the honeymoon phase is over, and then can also cause trouble because we still somehow expect something from them. We're just more used to them being there and we trust that they're not going to leave and we trust that they're going to keep supplying us and we don't need that much from them anymore. But we still believe that they're responsible for our happiness. And that's where the problem really is. So maybe some of you may think now, who the F are you to decide what love is? Like, who am I to decide what love is, right? <laughs> so why am I talk, making this episode telling you what love is and what, what, what love not is? And, and how, do I, how did I become the authority? Let me tell you, I'm definitely not the authority on what a word means. And it also doesn't matter what you call it. What I do know, though, is that the way we think about relationships and our feelings for other people does cause a lot of pain and suffering. And I also know that the majority of the pain and suffering is unnecessary and that the core of the issue really lies in our expectations for other people. And I want to give you some examples of unnecessary suffering that is caused by this way of thinking about love so that you understand why it makes sense to question this. As I just said, one big thing or maybe the major thing is disappointed expectations. That is really the reason for a lot of trouble that people in romantic relationships go through because they have expectations. They think their partners are responsible for things that they really are not and that they also can't really be responsible for. Like they can't heal our pain for us, even if they wanted to. That then leads to a lot of frustration and resentment, especially in long-term relationships, when we've come to realize that our partners are not what we thought we signed up for, that they do have their negative sides and that they don't always behave in the way we need them to behave for us to not feel bad. The whole belief system about pseudo-love being what we are looking for, what we're supposed to be looking for, also leads to dishonesty, because... We don't feel safe to show who we really are in relationships. I believe that the majority of people are hiding things from their partner and maybe not consciously, but there are tiny little things that, well, we, we are we are not quite sure they would like. And so we decide not to tell them to avoid conflict or to avoid that they might stop liking us. And I'm not saying that you have to tell your partner everything. Absolutely not. That's another one of those beliefs that we have that are also stupid, but I would want to know that there's nothing about me that I have to hide from my partner. And dishonesty starts when we think, okay, I had a thought and that is unacceptable to my partner. So I'm, I have to make sure that they never find out I was thinking this. And the reason why we then are dishonest, if we look at it from the person who is being dishonest, is that at the receiving end, At the receiving end of the projection let's say if you're the one who is being pseudo-loved by somebody we all you also like the one who receives it also believes that they're responsible for the other person's feelings because they have the same belief system and they also know that there are certain things that the partner will not be okay with and so they hide them and another thing that this pseudo-love thinking also leads to is unnecessary fights like most of the fights That we have in relationships are not actually about what we think they are about because the underlying issue is always a deeper one and to give you an example i'd always like to use the dishwasher example i don't know why it's like let's say one person always doesn't load the dishwasher correctly even though the other person one tells them how they want it and the other person just doesn't do it right then this can cause a huge issue and they can get into fights about the dishwasher not being loaded correctly. And you would think that they're fighting about the dishwasher. But what they're really fighting about is that the one person who's always telling them how to do it right feels not seen or not respected because the partner seems to be ignoring their wishes. And the other person may be um, feeling criticized, constantly being criticized. And they may have a feeling like they can't do anything right. And both of those issues probably go back to their childhood and to their pasts where maybe one person was never seen by their parents and the other person was constantly being criticized by, the, by one of the parents or both. And then when the partner does that, it becomes this huge thing that brings up, now we're not talking about them healing our trauma, now they're bringing up our trauma because they're not doing the right thing. Like we then think, okay, they are supposed to do They're they're supposed to behave in a way so that I feel seen, so they're supposed to load the dishwasher correctly, and if they don't, then that goes the opposite way, and it really hits into that wound that we have. Yeah, another thing that pseudo-love definitely causes is jealousy, causes anxiety, it causes a strong fear of loss of the relationship, obviously, because as I said before, we depend on this other person to heal our pain for us, or to make us feel less pain. And in the larger picture, what this whole thinking about love does is it leads to people being stuck in unhealthy relationship patterns. And they repeat them over and over again, because the underlying issue for the reason why they ended up with a certain type of person, maybe, or they have a certain type of problem in their relationship isn't solved. They they take this issue with them. They take this, this pain, the wound, they take that with them because that's in them. And then it leads to serial monogamy, meaning that I'm always going from one person to the next, looking for them to solve something for me or to give me something that wasn't even theirs to give me in the first place. And another consequence of this thinking about love that we all have, this may actually be a little bit surprising to you, is that it leads to infidelity. It leads to affairs. Why? Because we keep seeking the high. And affairs are especially addictive because we have the constant change from high to low, and we always stay in the drama of wanting and longing because we can never really have the the healing medicine for pain with the other person. And that makes it super dangerous because we are under the impression that, first off, we are seeking the high. We're not getting it from our existing partners anymore. So... We're seeking it with someone else, and then when we get it from that someone else, we think that that is love, and then we are stuck there. And maybe we're even going to leave our existing relationships for that other person because we think with them they will finally heal our pain, or we will just stay in like a long-term affair situation because we're just not able to end the affair because it's literally like being on a drug. And the funny part about that is the funny thing about that is that. At the same time that the pseudo love thinking leads to infidelity, it also leads to the absolute demonization of infidelity. Because, I mean, if we associate love with passion and sex, and we need our partners to be exclusively catering to our needs, because our whole self-concept literally depends on it, then of course we have to be extremely scared of infidelity, and we have to be super jealous, and we have to make sure that it never happens. So as I said, I just gave you a couple of examples and I'm pretty sure the list is endless. Um, I'm just gonna stop here. And I think this was enough to show you why it really makes sense to question our thinking about love. As I said, all of this leads to a lot of suffering and you can see how it leads to a lot of suffering and frustration and to a lot of unfulfilling relationships and possibly even divorce, which is very sad because love, actual love never hurts. What hurts are disappointed expectations, are old wounds being opened back up by our partners, often unintentionally. What hurts are survival responses being triggered due to our unresolved trauma. That's what hurts. Love doesn't hurt. So this was a lot. I know I just gave you a lot of information to digest. And that's why I thought about the main takeaways. From this episode that if you remember those your life and your relationships will already improve so much and those takeaways are number one love is not what most of us think it is and that is the reason for the majority of relationship problems number two if it feels urgent or addictive it is probably about you and not about the other person number three Actual love never hurts. What hurts are your wounds that the other person fails to heal. So, if you remember these three things, your life will get so much better, I promise. But of course, ideally, you will remember everything I told you because this topic is really one of the baseline topics. It's kind of like the foundation of a lot of the things that I will be teaching in later episodes. So, the more you can take away from this episode, the better. And before I end it, I want to say that the goal is not to get rid of the feeling of pseudo-love altogether, and I also don't think that's possible. But I think it's important for us to know what's happening and to be able to put it into perspective, especially when being in this dependent state is not serving us. I mean, there's nothing wrong with sometimes giving into this feeling of pseudo-love. I know it feels amazing, and that's okay. If we become aware of what's happening, we can then start playing with it, knowing that we can always interrupt the drama if we want to. Once again, the goal is empowerment and responsibility for ourselves and our experience. So if you found this episode helpful or interesting, both, please follow this podcast. And if you struggle with jealousy, anxiety, or infidelity in your relationships, you are very welcome to join my free Facebook group. I will put the links in my show notes. I will also put the links to my Instagram and my Facebook and my website. So if you want to reach out to me, you should be able to find me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and I'm looking forward to having you there in the next episode.